Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a very exciting Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. Uh, we're being joined by Tom Riley. Tom is the head coach at Goldie Beacom College, uh, Division II school in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, very excited to have him on the program. I'll give you a background on him so you just you know a little bit about him. Um, and, and there are some very interesting things in his bio that I'd love to get into during the podcast. Uh, but I'll give you the background. He uh, is from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Played at Hanover College, which is a Division III school in Hanover, Indiana. Uh, finished up there in 1998. In 2001 through 2004, uh, got into his first college coaching job. He was an assistant coach at Dominican College, a Division II school in Orangeburg, New York. He spent two seasons there as the hitting coach, two seasons as the pitching coach. Uh, both seasons he was the hitting coach, the team hit 309 or better. And then both years that he was the pitching coach, the team led the conference in ERA and strikeouts. In his four years there, the team won three conference titles. They also had eight players move on to play professional baseball. Then from 2008 through 2012, he was the owner and personal trainer at Riley Performance. Uh, I'm sorry, Riley Performance Training in Texas. During that time, he did coach some high school level summer baseball. He got back into college ball for the spring of 2013 as an assistant coach at Delaware State University. He was there from 2013 through 2015. That's an NCAA Division I program. In 2013, the team led uh, all of Division I baseball with 3.02 steals per game. In 2013, they were the uh, the MEAC, that's their conference, the MEAC North Division champions, finished with a 21-3 and conference record. They hit 317 as a team that year, which was fifth best in the NCAA Division I and finished with an overall record of 33-15. and 15. The next year, 2014, the team led all of NCAA Division I with a 336 batting average. That's pretty amazing, pretty great number. Uh, with a, and also led, the, led all of Division I with a 435 on base percentage. They were second in all of NCAA Division I schools, averaging 8.2 runs per game. They finished with the, the 2014 season with a 30-16 and 16 overall record. In his time at Delaware State, uh, Coach Riley had 23 players that were named to the all-conference team. On November 30, 2015, he was hired for a pretty unique opportunity uh, at Goldie Beacom to reinstate their baseball program. The program existed from the 1920s through the 50s. It had been about 60 years since Goldie Beacom had fielded a college baseball team, and Coach Riley was hired to bring the team back again. He was hired in November 2015 and was supposed to have players on campus for the fall of 2016, which is certainly something that uh, we should talk about. 2017 was their first spring back in action. In 2018, only the second year for the program, they finished with a 17-15 and 15 conference record. Pretty impressive to have a winning record in, uh, in conference in your second season. Uh, that season team also had four players named to the all-region team. Uh, they began 2020 with a, a pretty good showing, but the 2020 season is, uh, we're, we're talking during the quarantine, the 2020 season was cut short, um, but it seemed like the, the team was going to be maybe the best that, uh, that they've had since, you know, since being reinstated. But Coach Riley, really appreciate you being on the program today. I'm looking forward to talking about all this stuff with you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. I usually like to start with something from the bio that stands out. And, and there are several things for you that I'd love to get into. But the first one is maybe the most obvious one, uh, starting a program from scratch at Goldie Beacom. It's something that has always been uh, kind of an intriguing thing to me. Can you kind of take me back to when you first heard about the opportunity 
uh, what made it intriguing to you and, and what made you ultimately decide to take on this challenge? Yeah, um, yeah, it was a really great opportunity. Um, you know, I think uh, it was probably August of that year, and I think I was out recruiting, and somebody had said something to me. Um, they knew I was at Delaware State, and a coach in the conference in the CAC said, hey, you know, I, I hear Goldie Beacom's going to start a baseball program. And I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I knew who they were, and I knew that, we knew that, that Goldie Beacom had a great business school, and uh, and it was in the same region. So I reached out to somebody that I knew, and I said, is uh, Goldie going to start a, a program? And, and he said, he goes, oh, that's got to be, you know, no, I don't think so. But then he called me back the next day, and he said, yeah, they are. So, um, you know, I was interested right away. I mean, um, as a, in the CAC, which is where I was at at Dominican, um, and in the same region I was in, wouldn't have to move very far. You know, I was excited about, you know, the opportunity to be a head coach and then, you know, starting a program from scratch, you know, all really exciting type things. So, you know, I I pursued the job and, you know, luckily enough, uh, you know, it worked out for me. Starting a program from scratch is probably, I'm sure it's very exciting and there's then there probably comes a period where there's just, there's a lot of work, obviously, um, you've got to grind to, to get kids signed. You had to sign a full team uh, with, you know, basically a spring and a summer uh, to do that. Uh, what was that like? You know, what, I, I, there's so many things to sort out. You know, a lot of times when it, when a program starts from scratch, a, a coach is given a full calendar year before they've got to get guys on campus, but you didn't have that. What were the first maybe six months or so like for you, um, especially getting your feet on the ground and, and trying to uh, trying to hire assistants, trying to get kids committed. Can you just kind of talk us through that a little bit, if you remember it? Uh, you may not have slept, yeah. and it may just be a blur for you. But well, it was um, it was exciting, um, and it was it was very you know I mean, it was really all about recruiting. Um, that to me was the most important thing for us at the time, um, filling out a roster, um, and then you know I wanted that roster to be good, so. Um, being the fact that I didn't get hired till November or December, um, you know, they'd, they'd already had the initial signing date. So there are a lot of guys that uh, weren't out there anymore. Um, but luckily I was in the region as a recruiting coordinator. So I had a list and, you know, I just went and started attacking my list. I mean, you know, I was very lucky at the time that there was uh, a couple guys that weren't really good fits for me. Um, well, we weren't the right fit for them at Dell State that I'd offered, and I actually got to get our all-time pitch leader at Goldie Beacom I offered when I was at Delaware State. So that worked out really good for uh, for me. Um, but it was just recruiting every day. I mean, we had a plan, and, you know, I, I felt like, you know, the, the best way to go about it was, um, you know, kind of fill us, uh, you know, half and half with uh, transfers and freshmen. I didn't want to bring in 25 freshmen and then, um, I wanted those guys to be able to grow and continue to have a regular recruiting class every year. So, you know, it was uh, the work was you know trying to convince uh, transfers that uh, we could win. You know, because they know they only had two years. Um, you know, those those freshmen who became seniors this year were awesome, and they they they've done so much for our program. But those guys that came in that were juniors that knew they only had two years to to win, 
you know, it was it was uh, it was work. We had to show the vision of what we had and, and show the fact that we knew that we could come in and compete right away. Um, you know, the the good part, I guess, is that where most coaches during their season, um, you know, don't get to go to a lot of junior college games or don't get to go to a lot of high school games, I was able to. So, you know, um, in February, when normally we're opening up our season, I could be down in uh, South Carolina watching junior college games. Um, you know, once the high school season started, I could be out there doing that. So it was six months of recruiting. Um, you know, I, I did hire an assistant, uh, you know, pretty soon pre- pretty soon afterwards. Um, you know, I, you know, just one of those other things I got really lucky on. Um, you know, uh, you know, guy that <laughs> I didn't know at all, um, you know, either emailed me, uh, I think the day after maybe that was announced and said that, hey, he was in the area and, re- you know, really wanted to talk and whatever. And, you know, I think I blew him off for a couple months. You know, like, I'm recruiting, I'm recruiting, I'm recruiting. Um, but, you know, that guy is like, you know, when you start a program, it's not you, it's, it's, it's we. And it's been we from the start, even when it was just me. <laughs> but, you know, we became we, me and him, really early. And, uh, like, Matt Trades has been here the whole time. So the guy that I didn't know at all at the time, you know, people saw us right now, they would be like, oh, those guys have known each other forever. They're like, you know, best of friends. But, like, you know, just a, you know, really knowledgeable, really hungry you know, guy that just gets after recruiting, one of the best hitting, I mean, the Orioles hired him, and he stayed here with us, um, great hitting guy, great catching guy, just a, just a great baseball guy, so that six months was just a couple months with just me, and then, you know, Matt really jumped on and really helped us start this thing, you know, the right way, which, you know, some of the, you know, the recruiting part was that six months, you know, or so, I loved. I mean, it was great. We get to talk to everybody every day. I still lived in Dover, so that actually worked out for me because I had an hour hour commute home. Um, I'd go up to the office every day, and, and then, you know, I got an hour to, to talk on the phone to recruits um, to and from. So that really worked out really well. Um, you know, the, the hard part came uh, when it was uh, August and we had to put, like, a turtle together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell me about, I, I'm a you know former recruiting coordinator, and I, I really love that side of things, and I like hearing what other guys talk about during the recruiting process and kind of what you sell. Um, can, you, can you talk to me as if I was a recruit during that first season uh, or during the first recruiting season, you know, early 2016, and just kind of tell me what you were, you know, what were, what were the conversations like that you were having with kids? How did you possibly... Uh, convey that this, you know, this first-year program has got a chance to be competitive and win, and this could be a really good fit for you. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's funny. It's like if um, you were to be on the phone with me four years ago, it's probably a lot different than being on the phone with me right now because I've I, I've changed a lot, and uh, you know, I'll, we're always growing and trying to figure things out. Um, but really, it was just selling our vision. Um, you know, if I could get somebody on the phone, I could tell them what our vision was. Um, and, you know, we we were big into, you know, what we were going to become here. Um, I had no history, but the excitement 
um, you know, at Goldie Beacom. But the exciting part about Goldie Beacom is there's kids that can come here and you can create that history. So, you know, obviously we sold a lot of uh, successes that I had as an assistant, but really it was a whole lot more about what we were going to create at Goldie Beacom. The fact that, you know, we thought that we could hit the ground running, um, you know, with our plan to develop guys. Um, you know, you know, we talk a lot about our core values and, and what matters to us about the fact that it's all about the experiences and the relationships you make. And, you know, it's really, you know, that, that two-year decision or four-year decision, whatever you make, you know, that goes on and affects you for the next 40 years. I mean, that's one of the things that I love so much about, you know, coaching a college kid because, you know, the, their parents have done so much for them their whole life. And now they have that four years where it's like, hey, am I going to, you know, continue to, you know, be what I've been or am I going to grow into the man that I'm going to become? And that's, you know, so it's a lot of selling to that, you know. You know, our vision, you know, what we thought we could do. Those conversations are always so interesting with kids. And when you really get a kid to buy into your vision, it's like, it's such a high as a coach uh, when you get a kid that's excited about what you've got going. Um, you know, you, you said to me uh, before we started recording that you had a plan, basically a, you know, a five-year plan that you thought, you know, within this period of time we should, we should be legitimately competitive, but you thought um, that this year's team, even though, you, even though you didn't get to conference games, you thought this was going to be the most competitive team that you've had in conference. Um, you know, what's, what's been the difference uh, every, you know, year to year, as far as the caliber of players you've been able to get on campus, or is it um, is it the development of, of a culture and getting kids that's you know you know making making the uh, making it tangible like what Goldie Beacom base, baseball is about? Uh, is there anything in particular you can kind of put your finger on that is that it sort of helped to uh, to develop the team to what they would you know may have been this year? Yeah, they, I mean they answered. Uh... I think you answered every one of those questions. Like, <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, well, no, but it was yes to all those things. Um, you know, we, we have continued to bring in uh, a more talented player each year. Um, but also, more than anything, it is the fact that uh, the culture that we've created and the guys that were seniors – we're freshmen when we were creating it, so it's not even like it's one of those things where, hey, a guy comes in and then it's like, you know, who's this guy at the front of the room telling me this is how we're going to be? It's like, you know, those guys created the culture, you know. Um, you know, the seniors in our in our, our class, they were ever bit a part of it. So it's a culture that they've created. So that way when we integrate new guys into our program, you know, it's, it's already there. You know, and we had a young guy that, you know, talked about, um, you know, his experience, and he was just like, hey, you know, I thought when I came here, it was going to be like, oh, you're a freshman, you do this, you do that, and it's like, he's like, and then, you know, next thing you know, it's like the older guys are grabbing stuff for me and helping me out, and it's like, well, yeah, that's that's what we do, you know, our freshmen, you know, they help out, but, you know, in our program, I think that the teachers carry the biggest load, you know, um, so it's, it's things like that, and I think that, uh, we were on to things early, um, and we we had some really good players, and I think that, you know, we t- probably took a step back in year three. Um, just probably just didn't bring in the, the exact right guys to fit us, but we learned from that, and this was a year where 
you know, you, you combine really good players, uh, guys with some experience, guys that have developed, um, you know, uh, with a really good culture and where guys, the most important thing to them is being great teammates. Um, you know, that that leads to, to those things because there's not the bickering and the fighting because, you know, we show up to our first weekend of the year and, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, that I would say this to them, but, you know, I, I went out to them and we're in the outfield beforehand and it was just like, hey, you know, um, you know, I know everybody's all excited, you know, to come down here and win a series or whatever, but, you know, all I care about today is that we go out, we're great teammates, we play good baseball, and, you know, you know, we pull for one another, another and just get after it. And we did win that series, but we're playing the game, um, you know, we're trying to play the game for each other. Do we lose our way sometimes? Sure, everybody does. But I definitely think that, you know, when you're a little bit more worried about the guy next to you um, and his well-being than, you know, the fact that you're 0 for 4, um, you know, it definitely helps you. There's a couple ways that I'd like to go from that, and I guess uh, the first one is just to talk about team culture. With these podcasts, Coach Riley, I like to try to create some depth um, with things that, that maybe a lot of coaches out there have heard of, but maybe there isn't you know, this concrete definition for, and one of those things is culture. It's, it's something you hear a lot of people say. And it's something that I think every coach is aware of, but it's something that, in my opinion, the the really good and, and the really good programs who win and sustain winning, they create a culture that's a little bit of a different level. You know, Vanderbilt is one of those programs that I think yeah. that you talk a lot that you hear a lot about the culture that's that's created there. TCU is like another one of those programs. Um, you know, what how as a head coach, how would you define? what your culture is as a team and then how do you go about beginning to create that you know think of it as just if you're talking with maybe a, uh, a young guy who's just getting into the college uh, coaching game or even a high school coach who just you wants to create uh, a culture at, at that level which is which is a different animal because you're not recruiting your, your players most of the time um, but how would you define team culture and then how do you go about creating a team culture well, um, you know, that's a really, um, really good question and, and, and so, such a depends type answer as well. Um, you know, we've done, uh, you know, I mean, culture has just become a huge catchword. And, you know, I mean, we're just as uh, guilty as anybody else. I mean, you know, it's, we have the, the, the whole, you know, tagline, the core values, um, like the Brian Kane, you know, we strike, S-T-R-I-K-E, selfless, toughness, relentless, integrity, kaizen, and excellence. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I completely believe in it. Um, and, and, but that's not, just because we have a little tagline, that, that's not going to create the culture. We've always had that tagline. And... The culture is like a living, breathing thing. Um, so um, something that I've learned is really not about that. We've never really gone around and just said, hey, strike, 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 strike. You know, 386, you know, with 386 from carry, which we 
we do, our guys know those things. They, you know, we talk about that at the start of the year, our standards, our expectations, how we do things. But to me, more than anything, our culture is how we live. And, um, you know, are the coaches modeling what we're asking our players to do? Are seniors modeling? Are our juniors modeling it? And modeling that behavior is that culture. Um, and then there's a ton of things that we do to, you know, to build that camaraderie, that culture um, that, you know, I've stole from other people. Um, you know, a couple of the things that I thought that we did, you know, this year that were really great is, uh, you know, we have a question every day. And, um, you know, we start our practice off. And, then, you know, we all would answer a question. <laughs> And so that way the person's up in front of the, in front of the team talking about himself. Um, when they're done talking for two to three minutes, then their teammates get to ask some questions. Um, and I thought that was awesome. The guys actually get to do, know things about themselves. Like we did that the first day I started because I knew that they were all going to not really love talking about themselves. And I, I don't care. I'll talk about myself all I want. Um, but, you know, I think what we did this year was the first day I think I got it from uh, – Dan Heathner at Dallas Baptist, just listening to something, was, you know, we said, uh, you're a turtle on a fence post. How'd you get there? And, you know, obviously nobody, nobody's, uh, that turtle's not climbing that fence post. So it, just, it was just a good way for everybody to kind of get to tell their story in two to three minutes. Sometimes it's four or five. Sometimes it's really serious. Sometimes it's hilarious. And, you know, you know, a lot, you, you get a lot of, like, guys loving on each other. You get a lot of guys busting each other's balls a little bit, um, which is fun because, you know, when you really love each other, you, you want to, you know, have, you know, play those games with each other. I thought that really brought the team together. Um, other thing I thought that we did uh, this year that I thought went really well is and I also got from uh, the same person, Dan Heather at Dallas Baptist, the guy that I've never met in my life um, <laughs> you know they we had a daily recognition board when we played so basically all we did is we put our whole roster um you know on a, in an excel sheet on a on a sheet of paper and and posted it up on the board and anytime somebody on the team saw somebody doing something that we would be proud of that was a little bit out of the ordinary or just for the team, somebody posted it up there and then signed their name to it. And, it, you know, it could have been as simple as like, hey, you know, uh, you know, this pitcher got here, you know, half an hour early and was dra and, and dragged all the screens around the field by himself. Um, or, you know, this guy, you know, uh, you know, this guy had a tough day and then I had a tough day and, you know, I'm coming off the field. He's the first one to greet. He's not worried about what was happening to him. So, you know, and we started that and, you know, the, you know, the first couple times, it's like, you know, it was really good. But by the end, it's like, you know, every single person's name's full. And it's like, well, it's not like uh, really a participation trophy. It's just more like every single person on your roster needs to do something on every day that's positive for the team. So if that's happening, then there, somebody sees, sees something and they put it up there. And on road games, I would read it over the, uh, over the bus. And and then uh, you know at home games we would we would read it the next day before we started we'd go through you know all those things that happened and that way everybody gets recognized because sometimes that guy that 
you know, doesn't play very much. You know, he's just as important as the guy that plays every day. And um, and then, you know, those guys that play every day come to realize that, you know what, the home run you hit wasn't the big deal that day. It was what you did right here, where people recognize that he's doing those little things to help his teammates out and the little things that help us win. So I thought that that really was a was a great exercise that we did. And, you know, I wasn't sure, but when, when we told our guys, uh, you know, the season was over and we we had uh, played the day before, you know, the last thing we did before we left, they wanted to hear the, the daily recognition board for the last time of the day before. So that tells me that the, the, the guys really, truly valued that. Um, and doing things like that, to me, is is why it's like it's not about what I want our culture to be. Our culture is going to be what the players want it to be. You know, there's one of me. I've got four or five assistants, and there's five or six of us. There's a lot more of them. You know, and we really don't think about it as us and them. It's, it's, it's us. It's all of us. So that culture, you know, comes from our alumni. You know, the guys that graduated a few years ago. It's the guy, the current guys that we have. The new guys we have coming in that we're excited about that aren't that aren't yet stepped on campus. You know, it's a living, breathing thing. You know, and I think that you you want to do something daily to encourage encourage it, but it's really about you know you know having those right guys and and modeling the right behaviors as opposed to just having a, a tagline. Now, I mean, I think the tagline is great, especially for for guys early, to because it kind of does spell out how we want you to behave. Um, but you know, we could sum it up. It's like, hey, you know, love your teammates and do the right thing. You know, and you know, that is really you know what we want it to be about. You know, and I think that you know we're getting there. It's such an interesting answer, and it's a topic that I'd like to talk a lot about. Because I think there's a difference between a really talented team and a talented team that has the, the sort of it factor. And I think that a lot of that is, you know, just the team really caring about one another and, and caring about team success. And I've, and I've been a part of teams that were really talented that just that, that didn't perform that well. I've been a part of teams that, you know, did perform really well and, and, uh, and won a lot of games, but sort of at the end of the year, it was like they just didn't have what whatever it was that you needed to to sort of push yourself over the edge and and I look back at some of those teams and think that um you know maybe some of these these team culture uh type of things are are maybe what what you missed and i've I've been a part of teams that that have valued some of the things that you just talked about, like the team kind of getting to know each other and I've been a part of teams that were really good. That, that that wasn't something that, you know, the coaches, uh, the head coaches' um, perspective was, you know, these guys, they'll get to know each other as much as they want to outside the field. And, like, when we're here, we're just going to, you know, focus on baseball. And, like, I don't care if they're friends off the field or, or whatever. It's interesting to me to hear different perspectives of different coaches and kind of how this stuff, um, you know, works. Obviously, you can't have it seems to me you just can't have one or the other. If you're really talented and the guys don't really care about each other, that's not going to work. If you got your guys love each other but the talent's not there, well, that's not going to work. It seems to me like you kind of need a little bit of both. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, 
I think it can work both ways. I think that uh, you should be true to yourself. And, you know, um, you know, I've, I've worked for some coaches, and and some are different than others. And they've all been – I was really lucky, and all the guys I've worked for have been really successful and really good coaches. Um, they don't all do it exactly the way I do it, and they – because they shouldn't. We're all different people. Um, so, you know, I, I 100% completely agree with you. I think it can work both ways, but I, but I definitely think that the, the big, the big thing that you see with guys, whether they're, whether they're saying, hey, you need to know each other, or you need to do this, or you need to do that, is, you know, all the coaches that, that I've worked for, um, really loved and cared about their players, and you see that they do that, whether they're you know, whether we're talking about, you know, being together or not, you know, you know, it's, it's modeling. It's modeling that behavior um, that I think is really important. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of ways of doing it. I just think that, you know, um, you got to be true to yourself. And if that's something that, that fits your personality, then I think that works. But, like, you know, guys know when you're fake. So, you know, being, being fake is, is probably, you know, because you hear somebody does something and you're like, oh, I'd like to try that. It's like, okay, well, does that fit you? I mean, I know like we were, you mentioned earlier, we're in the quarantine right now. I mean, there is a Zoom going on right now. I'm sure. Eight, eight Zooms going on right now. On the, on the hour, <laughs> every hour, and, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of them. I, I love listening to the people and uh, learning, you know, learning more about what we do and learning what other people do and things that fit us. But as opposed to just collecting information, um, you know, it's really about how how we connect with our players and how we how we you know how we can communicate that information that we have. And you know, everybody does something a little bit different. You know, we don't want a potpourri of, uh, hey, well, we're going to do this like this, this one, this like this one, this like, you know, it's like we're going to be us. Um, and, you know, the, the the fun thing about being us is, you know, we change every day and, um, you know, just <laughs> and we learn and we grow. But, you know, just trying to be somebody else and something that you're not, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think really backfires on people that are just like, hey, you know what, I'm a lifelong learner, I just want to learn, I want to, you know, do this, and that's like, get school, so, so am I, I mean, that's the most important thing, I mean, we talked about, you know, those core values, and we talked about Kaizen, you know, continuous improvement, we tell our players all the time, I don't care, <laughs> you know, what, what you know, we, we, we care about, you know, growing and learning more, but I also think that it's also become like kind of a catch word, where it's like, hey, I've been on the most suits, and it's like, well, that's, awesome but you know <laughs> you know uh, it, it's important to learn and grow but it's also important to connect with your players um, and it's important to you know be yourself and you know do all those things so um, I probably got off on a little bit of a tangent there oh, it was good it was, it was great because I mean there are so many calls going on right now and I've you know I, I put myself back in in the shoes of, of coaching and I frankly I don't know that I'd have interest in being on a Zoom call a day. I, I just, not that I don't want to learn. I, I love to learn. I mean, I don't, I don't coach now, and I still like to learn. 
Um, I really, like, I'll, uh, if I need a break from work or whatever, that's, just, I mean, I'm doing something baseball-wise. I'm watching some video or, like, reading about something, or I just, I like to do it, whether I'm coaching or not. And these uh, these podcasts and all the videos on the website are interesting to me, and they're great ways to learn, but I just don't know that I, I could do it. And, it's again, it's not that I don't want to learn. It's just, like, how much how much could you possibly take in all this new stuff? And uh, I don't know, at some point you just, you you can't forget about who you are and, and what your core values are and what you believe. Like as a hitting coach, you know, you, I don't know that you want to just change everything and, 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 uh, and do something completely different this year than you did last year. Uh, if I just, I think there are guys out there that you kind of see and read about that, that seemed like they change their whole philosophy every year based on this or that. And, uh, and I, I don't know, I just, that's not, um, I think it'd be a lot. I think it'd be a lot to take in. Again, I think the Zoom calls are great, and a lot of the information being shared is great. But I, I don't know. There's, uh, like you said, you, I think that connecting with players and and just figuring out what really works. You know, the one of the popular things on social media is is hitting Twitter, and I know you're you're a hitting guy. Um, well, a little bit of everything, guy, hitting guy, pitching guy, everything else. Um, but you know, on according to hitting Twitter, like it's it's all about this. Just you know, one example, but it's all about mechanics, and you got to have these perfect mechanics. If you're and to be a hitting coach, you've got to be a, a biomechanical uh, specialist, and you and you've got to um, have a degree in kinesiology, and like that's what you can read, and it, it really can be kind of intimidating. But uh, I think you can be a pretty good hitting coach without doing all that stuff. As a coach that's actually out there right now, um, how much do you? put stock in, in that sort of thing? Or like, when, like like if you're going out to hire a hitting coach, a pitching coach, are you looking for the guy that is the most uh, advanced technologically? Or are you looking for a guy that has, seems to have the best feel? Are you looking for someone in between? Like what's an attractive candidate to you for someone to hire? Well, um, you know, there's so, so much there. Um, luckily, I'm not – out looking to hire a hitting coach because, like I mentioned, uh, you know, Matt Trait, uh, you know, well, you, like you said, I am a hitting guy, but Matt Trait coaches our hitters. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm really lucky and I have a good staff, and Matt Trait is our hitting coach. Uh, Mike Payton, um, who coaches our defense, um, really, good, like, coaches the infielders and the outfielders. Um, I don't know, you know, how. Most people don't work it that way, but, you know, he kind of runs with both. Um, you know, Dan Galati coaches our pitchers, and then I actually coach the base running. So, um, you know, we all have uh, our niche in this, in our program, um, and it's, it, 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 it's, it's tough for me to answer like, what would – all the things that you said probably aren't the things that I would be looking for um, in, a, in a hitting coach. Um, because, you know, um, we are progressive. So if you were to ask, you know, we, we, we have a hitting and a pitching Rapsodo. We have blast sensors. We, um, we do a lot of measuring. And we, um, we are, you know, uh, a good friend of mine that coaches at uh, Frostburg State, Anthony Williams, laugh about, like, the fact that, like, you know, we play them, and he's like, he's going to maybe have four or five outfielders. We're not going to hit any balls on the ground. 
<laughs> but, you know, and we joke and, and laugh about that, but um, to me, it's not a, it's not about being technical, technologically advanced, uh, you know, biomechanically advanced. It's the, to me the most important trait in an assistant coach is somebody that just gets after it and is open to learn. Uh, I would rather have somebody that is aggressive and wants to learn and doesn't think he knows everything as opposed to somebody that does. Um, you know, I'm lucky in that I have somebody that knows a ton, but the, be the best thing I can say about Matt Tree is he doesn't think he knows anything. <laughs> you know, he's got a guy that, that, that's, that really, really knows something because he's out there every day working to become a better hitting coach. Um, and I think that I, I don't want to bash like uh, old school and I don't want to bash young because I think that, I mean, to me, the answer is somewhere in the middle, uh, which, you know, if we're talking about like, hey, Twitter gurus and, and hitting type thing, uh, to me, like the, the guy that I think is awesome right now is Eugene Bleeker because he has been down that rabbit hole of, Hey, you know we're gonna we're gonna walk, you know hit everything up in the air and we're gonna just you know you know build a bigger engine, build a bigger engine, build a bigger engine, and now he's come back around to where it's like okay, well all that stuff is really important, but then a lot of this stuff that's a little more old school is important as well. Um, so a little mix between all those things I think is is a is a better answer um, as opposed to like hey you know what like all the all the young guys are right. All the old guys are right. I mean, you know, I, I think that nobody's really right. I think we're all, you know, looking for answers. Um, but I tend to think that the answers are probably more in the middle of the spectrum as opposed to um, one end or the other, I guess, is, is what I would say. Um, you know, there's there's a, there's a just a ton of value in discounting, discounting a guy that um, understands the data or hasn't played, I think is nuts. But that's also, but I also think that discounting somebody that has a lot of experience is nuts as well. So, uh, you know, I try not to discount uh, a young guy that's really smart and knows a lot and has a lot of data and can, can help us. And I don't discount the guy that's been around the block and coached a ton of people for a long time. I think that there's, there's so much value out there. You just have to kind of sift through it. I want to go back to something else that you mentioned a while back um, and, and get back on just a, what I think are, are sort of team building and, and team culture type things. I think it's a, it's a cool track to stay on. And um, you, you mentioned a while back just about how it's important for your players to be a good teammate every day. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think is really undervalued at the high school level maybe probably more so in, in summer baseball than it is in high school baseball because in summer ball it becomes about the individual it becomes about getting this person their innings and you know this guy's going to start this game and the next guy's going to start the next game because everybody paid and everybody's got to play a, a pretty equal amount and this pitcher's going to throw three innings followed by this guy two innings followed by this guy two innings and that's just sort of how it's scripted and it's 
it's it's not so much about winning in summer ball as it is about exposure. And there's a, you can understand a lot of that, but I think there's also something that's probably lost there as well. Um, so when guys get to campus, from you know one of my experiences as a coach was that it, it, it freshmen don't always come in. Maybe more times than not, they don't come in with a real grasp on being a good teammate because they're not used to it because high school season is fairly short. Summer ball, which they're going to play more more base, you know, more games in summer and fall. It's not really about that. It's not really about the team as much. Um, what is what does it mean for you to be a good teammate once you're actually on a on a team where you know winning is it as opposed to showcasing yourself? You know, winning is the thing, and and to win you've got to perform as a group, and and you've got to have teammates that, um, you, you know, that are that are that are supportive of one another, you know, to to various degrees. What does it mean for you for the Goldie Beacon program to be a good teammate? Yeah, it's it's being there for your teammates. Um I think is 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 really big. Um you know, it, it it's funny, it's not it's not so much as uh you know, just uh always being there to, you know, um you know, say, oh, you know, like, you know, coach was hard on you here, you should, you know, you blah, 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 but, you know, it's, it's being there for your teammates, and to me, to me, I think that one of the best ways that you can be there for your teammates it is to do your own job, which is kind of, you know, you know, going around the other way, but, like, when we're talking about at the end of practice, and, we, you know, everybody in every program does something to the practice for the most part cleaning up the field. Like, are you going to be, uh, hey, somebody else will do that? Or are you going to see where guys run around and stuff? You know? Because yeah, you're making something that way somebody else doesn't have to do that. Um, you know, not, you know, always be, I think it's, it's, it's big. It's like, oh. And that's one of the for you does being a good teammate include at at any point um being tough on one another or you know having the the trust in a teammate to be able to for lack of a better term to be able to call a teammate out not necessarily call them out in front of other people but be able to go to a teammate and say hey i'm not this is not okay for our team like you you've got to do better than this you've got to make a better decision than that you've got to you've got to give better effort than that is that part of of what you talk about with your players it's uh and it's one of those things that, like, I think to be that type of person, it, it, it takes, uh, you know, it takes time. I don't think that you, that a guy comes into a program and from day one is calling people out for things. It's, you earn that respect by you doing things the right way. And when you're the guy that's, that, that's doing things the right way, well, then, yeah, you, you've got the, you've got, you've got the platform to, to make sure that, you know, this guy knows this is how we do things. You know, it's, it's, it's tough for a guy to, 
to, to not show up to class and get on the point for, for not showing up to class. Um, but, you know, what some of our, our better teammates, you know, you know I, I think that they come in and the first thing that they do is they model all those behaviors themselves. And once the, you know, everybody sees that that's what they're going to do, absolutely, you know, like, hey, you know, this is how we do things. You know, this is how we do things. And I'll be right here helping you do that, you know. You know, rather than just telling somebody to do something, showing them how to do something. You know, um, you know to me, that's, that's, that's a lot more important. I mean, anybody can tell somebody what to do. You know, you, you got you to gotta tell them what to do, but also show them. One of the cool things about college baseball is that um, you got four years, and and the time goes by so quickly as a player. You know, you blink your eyes, and in, in freshman year's over, and you blink your eyes, and sophomore year's over, and then all of a sudden you go from being the one who's, you know, a lot of times just trying to feel your way through uh, as as a freshman, and then as a sophomore, you're you know, it's your time to sort of step up and and take more of a role in the team. And as a junior, all of a sudden it's um, some a lot, a lot of times you're expected to take more of a leadership role, and particularly as a senior, and it goes by so fast. And as a college coach, you're always, uh, you know, waiting for that next guy to step up. And, and sometimes it's like there's like a, a drag effect of just players kind of realizing what their role needs to be. Um, and it's just it's an interesting, it's always a really interesting dynamic to me. And again, kind of going back to just what what makes a team good. I think some of the better teams that I've been a part of have had guys that have understood that role uh, pretty early on and, and, aren't, and aren't afraid to step up and not only model it, but then also, you know, take a vocal, uh, take the vocal part of it as well. Well, yeah, and the, co- the coaches aren't going to be everywhere. So, um, you know, if, if there's something that we don't see that the guys shouldn't be doing, then, then absolutely they need to make sure that, you know, if you truly love your teammate, you're going to make sure that they know if they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, as opposed to like, oh, well, you know, that's him. He's, you know, he's allowed to do that, you know. Um, so I, I, I'd agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really important that uh, it's, it's modeled, but also, uh, you know, enforced through the, through the team. Uh, you know, and, and there's, there's definitely a fine line there. Sometimes guys want to come in and and do a lot of talking, you know, and and we typically, you know, want guys to do a lot of acting as opposed to talking, and you know, but you you've earned it when you're when you're doing things the right way to be able to to say something to somebody that hey, you know, how we want to do things around here, you know, that that doesn't fit on standards, and you know, you know, I'd like you to make a change. One last thing I'd like to get into with you, and I don't want to um, extend this podcast too much. <laughs> I'd like to let you go at some point, but uh, but I would like to talk about the time that you spent away from coaching, uh, if you don't mind getting into that a little bit. I, it's it's something that um, that not a lot of coaches go through. To you, you coach in college, you leave college baseball, and you have an opportunity to get back in. And I uh, just kind of wanted to see if you wouldn't mind talking about that period and and sort of what it was uh you know what it was like for you and why you decided to get back into college baseball and just how much that's that uh decision has uh has affected your you know your family and 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 kind of how your family um you know went along with everything that that in 
and just made those adjustments with you. If you don't mind just talking about that, because I think that, you know, Coach Riley, the people that have not coached college baseball sometimes don't understand the commitment that you make when, you, when you're in this game, and, and you've had a chance to get on both sides of it. Uh, as a coach and then getting out of it and getting back into it. And it's and it's a lot on family at some point, and, and you rely on, on your spouse and other people sometimes. Can you just talk about that a little bit, just what it was like for you to be out of college coaching and then the decision to get back in and ultimately landing at, uh, at Delaware State? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my wife Karen, uh, we were married. Uh, we were engaged when I started at Dominican. So we got married. Um, and moved moved our moved to New York from Indiana, um, and she was there with me for four years. And then she got a great opportunity uh, in her career, and it was in Texas. So, you know, she, she done so much for me, and I decided that you know it was her turn, and she gave her. You know, we went out to, uh, to Texas, and um, you know, moved a little bit closer to her family, who was who was there in Texas as well, um, and. You know, while we were there, you know, I, I tried a couple times to get back in, into it, but I didn't have, uh, I didn't really have any connections with Texas, and, um, you know, it just started, you know, being about making making money, and we, you know, we had a we had a son while we were home, um, but I'd been trying to get back in it, and then just an opportunity came up, uh, you know, in uh, 2012. Um, at Delaware State, you know, it was across the country, but, um, you know, J.P. Bland is the head coach at Delaware State, and um, one of the guys that I knew uh, from Dominican, uh, Sean Moran, had worked for him. Um, so there was a little bit of connection there, and, you know, it worked out really good for me. I mean, my wife, uh, you know, at, at that time was, you know, knew that I needed to get back in and was very supportive, and you know, we moved across the country to get back in. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's one of those things where I think that you, she knew what she was getting into and because of the first four years of our marriage and, um, you know, and it worked out because we do everything as a team, <laughs> you know, um, you know, she, uh, you know, we had a young son and we moved to, to Dover and kind of bet on myself and the fact that, you know, things would work out things have, have gone pretty good for us um so you know now we have two kids and you know we live up here in wilmington and um you know she also works at goldie beacon now so um things work out really well but i think that you know kind of like when you're talking about uh your team and you want to communicate with your team i mean it's the same thing in marriage so it's like you know you know i had a lot with you know with a wife and a and a son but you know we communicated and worked out what was best for us you know, um, you know, I hope I explained that well. <laughs> yeah, you did. And there's something about just when, when you coach, it's more than a job. And, uh, you know, as a former coach, that's something that I, I don't know that there are a lot of professions out there that, that are comparable to, you know, to coaching because it's more than just, it's more than just your career. And you don't want to say that, like, this is who I am necessarily. You're more than a, a coach. But at the same time, it's more than a job. Um, why was it? Why was it such a pull for you when you got out to be able to get back in? Like, what was it about coaching that just? Because you were still coaching, you were involved in baseball. I mean, you were you were training, uh, you were a trainer 
at, at your own facility, but you also you coached in the summer ball. It's not like you didn't coach. It's not like you were totally away from the game. But what was it about college baseball that brought you back? That drew you back in? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say what it was at the time. At the time, it was probably just competition. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get back to compete again. And that's what I truly love to do. I mean, I love I love going out and recruiting. And I love, uh, you know, you're competing against each other, uh, you know, other people at that level. Um, but really, to me, college is always, uh, that's the level that, you know, it's such a special level, um, you know, for one, like, you know, high school versus college. The guys at college, they want to be there. You know, you, you recruited them. You brought them there. They're the guys that you wanted, and they wanted you. Um, the, other, the other aspect of it is it's such an important time in guys' lives. You know, this is the four years that they, you know, they grow from being like, you know, a boy with their parents, and their parents, you know, teach them how to make good decisions, and they become – you know, a really good person, but then these next four years is when they really decide to, to be the kind of man that they want to be, and I think that, uh, you know, trying to help develop that or just even witnessing, you know, when guys come in from freshman to senior year, you know, that's awesome, and that's something that um, you don't really get if you're, at least I, I didn't get that, you know, as uh you know, coaching a 16-year-old summer team. I thought those were great kids, and it was awesome. But, you know, they show up, and, and you have your time with them, and they go to practice. But, you know, it's, it's just a lot different, and it's hard to explain until you have been into, uh, you know, a, a program. But, like, I mean, these players, they're part of your family. Um, you know, you know we, we start our year every year with a, with a cookout at my house, and the, you know, that everybody's, you know, stuffed into our backyard and, and, and that kind of gets it going. But they're, they're part of our family. Their families are a part of our family, the parents, the alumni. And I think that that's a, it's just a, it's a special, it's really special about, you know, uh, college baseball. You know, it's, it's funny, like I even look at, um, you know, my first job at Dominican. And it's funny, you know, I was like 24 at the time. So, like, all those guys I coached, you know, you know, one or two years younger than me, and and you look at them now, and just the way that you know, the way they they, they talk about Skip, and the way that you know that, that he treats them, and that the way that they're treated. I mean, it's a lifelong, you know, family, and that's what it was at Dominican. Um, that's what we're doing here at Goldie Beacon. That's so cool, um, and just a really good perspective. This is Tom Riley, everybody. He's the head coach at Goldie Beacon, uh, Division Two school in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, the 2020 season got cut short. That would have been Coach Riley's fourth year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year, especially with a lot of players being able to come back, uh, with it with people being granted an extra year of eligibility. So we'll be really excited to follow you, Coach Riley, and just follow the program and, and see what you guys do. But it's pretty evident talking with you that um, I think that your maturity shows. I think that the different things you've been through in your life have have clearly shaped you into what you are right now as a coach, and you sound like a guy that, you know, I don't say this in every podcast, and, and definitely not saying it just to say, but you sound like someone that I would send my own kid to play for, and uh, and that I think that says a lot. Just when you you listen to a podcast or you have a conversation with somebody, and and you think to yourself, either you could see yourself playing for that person, or like I would send my son to play with that guy, 
you know, and that and that's uh, I think that's a big thing, and and uh, that's what you've showed me in this podcast. So uh, I just appreciate your time so much being here and sharing everything that you did, and and kind of talking about building the team, and um, it's been a really great conversation. So again, I appreciate your time very much. Hey, thank thank you so much, Jeff. I mean, that's 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 a great compliment. I really appreciate it, and I I appreciate the opportunity for giving me to you know talk about our program and the opportunity that. Uh, that you give all, all coaches and players out there um, with the website. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a, you know, it's it's really needed and 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 uh, you know, I, I just really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate what you said too, and hopefully people get something out of this. And if nothing else, coaches out there that are still maybe trying to find their footing a little bit, I think listening to you um, is a great start, and, and hopefully some help helps out some young guys. But thank you very much. There's some stuff we get, we didn't get into with you. Uh, must have you back again on a podcast, but this time has been a very much appreciated again. And I uh, just wish you the best of luck in this weird time during the quarantine. And I do look forward to following your team in the future. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Anytime.